Welcome back to Don't Be Strangers, a podcast and community fighting adult loneliness. Our mission is to create spaces that foster intentional conversations and deeper connections by providing resources and events for the curious and creative. I'm your host, Shinyi, and I typically meet my guests for the very first time while recording. If this sounds fun, I invite you to consider applying to come on and have a conversation. No qualifications required, just a passion to learn from the stories of everyday people. So if you're following along with these episodes, you'll know that I'm all caught up on my recording and editing backlog, which means hopefully from here on out, up-to-date episodes until I collect another <laughs> round of backlogs. Today, we're speaking with Rob of Rob's 10K Friends. I first found out about him several years ago because one of my good friends, Melissa, told me about his project to meet 10,000 new friends each in one hour conversations. And I think she finally actually did meet him a couple of years ago and I've been following his account since she told me told me about him. So the premise of the project obviously has like a shock factor, but also just the pure dedication to such an overwhelming goal is definitely very admirable. Then at the beginning of this year, because I was following his account, I saw that he was doing another call for help uh, to meet his goal. And I thought, why not? So this conversation is technically for his project, but he said that he was also down to double it for my podcast. And it was really interesting to see where our goals and interests align. So I'm not going to give away too many other spoilers as the point of this show is for the listeners to see how two strangers get to know each other over the course of a conversation. So that being said, in this chat, we talk about our identities as pie charts, balancing your personal social life with your work uh, when your work is all about making friends, how Rob makes his living doing this full time, his memory tricks and tips for sharing the stories of the people that he meets and other communities out there helping you to make friends. So with that, please meet Rob. Yeah, what's up? I am Rob Lawless, and I am the creator of Rob's 10K Friends, which is my journey to spend an hour one-on-one with 10,000 different people, and you're one of them. I think you're number 6,103 or four, maybe. Uh-huh. And I'm calling in from Philadelphia on a nice snowy day, so it's great to have a conversation with you. Love that. Yeah, um, and I am located currently in Mexico City, so... Oh. Yeah, if you want to toss me the first question. Yeah, let's do it. So the first question, which is my favorite question to ask people, is if you think about your identity as a pie chart, what would be the categories that make up who you are? Like, What are the slices and what are the percentages? Yeah, I um, I love this question. I think it's so fascinating. And I, I definitely want to know where you drew the inspiration for this mm-hmm. uh, question and also to hear your answer as well. But sure. immediately at the top of my head, I think like maybe about four or five years ago, I did sort of like a values exercise. I think that's pretty common in like therapy and stuff, but I found this in like a personal development um, book. And essentially I um, broke down my core values to community courage and curiosity. And so that being the case, this is the answer that immediately comes to my mind. Like my core identity is made up of these core values. And I would say it's probably pretty evenly split, like 33, 33, 33, um, in terms of one, the community aspect, aspect why I am like pursuing the podcast and community, don't be strangers. Um, but then the curiosity and courage, um, these two pieces with courage, I think it ties into the fact that I am like very keen on, on personal growth. And so I believe that change happens on the other side of fear. So I chase a lot of my fears and that's where courage really like plays in. And I have also noticed I'm drawn to like rebels, like people who are just really doing things that are unconventional and like against the grain. So there's that. And then the part for curiosity it's kind of leans into the courage too, just like being like what would be on the other side of fear. But mm-hmm. um, I'm also just like a student of life and I just like need to know. And it also ties perfectly into community because like I, that's the reason why I want to have conversations is because I want to learn from other people. And I hope that other people would also want to learn from each other. Um, so that's, that's my answer. And I would be so curious to know yours. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> I always think about mine and I have the benefit of having answered this like thousands of times because 
of my project, but I think about it in like the way that I spend my time. So I say like 60% is my project, which is meeting new people and seeing new places and learning. And I do public speaking too. That's how I support myself. So growing as a speaker, leaving like a legacy of some sort. So that's 60%, 20% is like friends and family. So that is spending time with my good friends from college and high school. And I'm the youngest of three. So seeing my two older siblings, my sister has two kids, seeing them, my parents are still alive, still together. So taking advantage of that time with them. And then 10% music. Like I have two guitars. I took lessons for two years in high school. So I don't really play that often now, but like music is still a big part of my life. And uh, I love going to concerts and stuff. And then 5% fitness. So like going to the gym three days a week, 5% reading, trying to read like an hour before bed every night. And that's it. And then Philly sports is in there all over the place. Um, But yeah, that's how I would say the breakdown. I'd be curious to, because you have like community, curiosity and courage. And you mentioned with the communities, like, the podcast is the way that manifests and being attracted to like the rebels and stuff. Um, but yeah, like if you think about the way, what you put your time into, if you had to bring it to that level, what would that look like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that if I had to bring it to the level of like how I spend my time, it would probably be, I'm a software engineer by trade and that's my professional day job. I, Mm. I think I remember reading somewhere. I don't try to research my guests too much because part of the part of the beauty of like these conversations and this podcast is to sh- show show listeners and viewers like how two pe- two strangers get to know each other yes. over the course of a conversation. So I don't want to like know too much about you. Before. Totally agree. And then, yeah, and then become like an interview of sorts, like and see like oh I read an article like, like mm-hmm. five years ago you did this right, um, but. Yeah, so I'm a software engineer by trade. That um, that is my day job. But I would say I would only time like I spend fifteen percent of my time on that um, on that because um, I am a creative chimera, which means that I need a lot of different activities to stimulate me and to make me feel fulfilled. And so, as like a side side gig, this podcast is actually it started as a podcast, don't be strangers, but then it evolved more into community. So I'm now doing a lot of event planning and like running events Hmm. um, also remotely but all of this is just like passion projects so i spend another maybe 15 percent on don't be strangers between editing the podcast sourcing it running events um last year i published a book and then i was like trying to market that i'm really interested in transitioning into public speaking yeah so i would love to like pick your brain on that for sure um, either on or off off recording. yeah either one happy um, yeah. yeah um and then outside of that um i identify personally as an artist like i said creative chimera right um an artist of many different mediums so i need to personally for my time like how music is like your your thing for mm-hmm. me art which is like graphic design digital or like analog um creative creation photography poetry, writing, etc. Um, I don't spend enough time on this, but I'm this year I am trying to intentionally create more space for that. I would say in previous years, I was probably closer to five to 10%, but now I would like it to be closer to like 15% okay. where are we at now. So that's like 45. Um, and then maybe another uh 20 to 30 percent on other people uh i think it naturally the community aspect that with me doing events like i do end up often time in like um group settings but then i'm also intentionally trying to like create time for like family and loved ones and friends as well um and then i'm traveling right like i mentioned i'm in mexico city so i'm a digital nomad as well mm. um and a lot of time is going to cafe i drink a lot of coffee sure <laughs> like, yeah so um i i use that i use coffee as like my centerpiece for exploration so oftentimes i'm like i'm gonna go to a cafe to like edit my podcast do my day job and then I I like to walk to places. And so as I'm like walking to places, walking to a cafe as my destination, mm. then I'll like discover cool boutique stores or um, 
I don't know, like little parks. And so there's a lot of exploration, which ties into the curiosity. That's why I travel. That's why I language learn. That's why I talk to people. Yeah. Um, and then any extra time is like me trying to do language learning, um, me trying to journal and just ideate like fun alternative ways to live. Um, a little all over the place, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I'm like I'm reading in there too. I'm um, what else? Trying to play video games, trying to like watch watch Netflix. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you though. You mentioned that you spend about twenty percent of your time like with family, friends, and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to know your pro tips for managing your social life as an adult between your project, which is a lot of like people time, your personal people time, public speaking sort of mm -hmm. people time. Yeah, like how do you how do you do it? I think it's um, well. I have like my project, so I do it full time, and so I started it in November twenty fifteen. And then I took it full time eight months later. So I've been doing it full time since June of 2016. And then I just didn't make money for a really long time. And then public speaking is how I started to make money. And <clears throat> I think it was because I'm extremely extroverted. But after meeting four people every day, it's like the battery needs to be recharged. Yeah. And I think I just got more communicative about like, hey, I can't make it to this thing or I can't do this thing. Um, and making sure I set that time aside. Because I used to feel guilty if I didn't have anything going on, not going to an event or whatever. But then I realized like resting is a thing that you also have to build into your calendar. So, yeah, I, I think like, I don't know. I feel like my life sounds busy from the outside looking in. But I feel like it's very simple. It's very structured too. Yeah. So I meet Monday through Friday, I meet people at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., 1 p.m., and 3 p.m. every time. Like, if I'm not traveling or anything, that's what I try to schedule. So people are like, well, how do you make time for your friends in college and stuff when you're meeting all these other people? I'm like, well, I'm meeting them when they're at their jobs and I'm at what is my job. And then my nights are open the same as their nights would be open. So, like, tonight, for example, I'm going to my friend's house. He lives three doors down from me. And we're going to play Settlers of Catan together because that's what we do most weekends with each other. Like he and his wife live right near me and they're good college friends of mine. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's just identifying like the things that you have to do and then being structured about your approach to it. Um, yeah, because even the gym, it's like I do Monday, Wednesday, Friday after my last meeting from like 6 to 7 p.m. Yeah. And if I know that I can expect that time to be gym time, then it's all good. Like it's organized in my mind. So I call it structured spontaneity. Like I want all of the parts of my life that are fixed to be like in the calendar. And then that leaves all the other time to be spontaneous if I want it to be. Right. Right. Yeah. I love that. That makes sense. Did you develop this structure pretty early on or was this something that you had to figure out from <clears throat> 2016 to now? Early on, so I studied finance and then I did consulting for Deloitte and then I went to a tech startup and then I had been doing this project for like eight months before I was laid off, the company was acquired and then I jumped into this full time and early on I was like, oh, you can do Tuesday at 2 p.m., great, let's do that. And then the next person, Wednesday at 8, sure, let's do that. And then my mind was just all over the place and I noticed I was going through that like decision fatigue. So mm. after like a week, I thought, okay, we need to put this into a nine to five structure and yeah. we're going to do that because it makes it much more repeatable. And I think predictability is like a hugely undervalued thing in people's lives. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just had, and I guess I'm, I'm a mix between very logical and creative. So I had to have the logical piece in place so that I could let the creative piece thrive in peace, if that makes sense. Right. No, yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, I love that. And also only one week to like getting to the, okay, from disorder to structure, that's, sure. that's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you want to ask me something else? Yeah, for sure. So um, the... Oh, and real quick, I'll let you know, too, with the, the pie chart, you like asked where it came from. 
the I started asking people that because I was noticing in my hour long conversations with them, it, like it could be really easy to talk about a job for 40 minutes or whatever, or maybe it's really easy to talk about a particular hobby. But my goal when I meet with people is like, I want to understand the full person as best as I can. And when I ask that question, it gives me, it gives them the chance to give me context. Like, oh, that job we've been talking about is really just like 30% of who I am. And the other 70% is this, 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 and this. And I'm like, oh, okay, I can kind of contextualize it all now. So that's why I, yeah, yeah. I love that. And I, I tell people too in my talks, because I I give it as a question when I do my presentations, I say it helps you see people as they see themselves. And I think that's really important. Like I write about people after I meet with them and I want to make sure what I write, they feel is an accurate representation of who they are. So so I want to give them the chance, like instead of me making assumptions based on our conversation, have them explain it to me and I'm like, oh, okay, I know who you are. So right right yeah. yeah yeah so that that's where that came from and then i will ask you so you're a software engineer like if money and careers didn't matter would you still do that or like what would be your dream for your life yeah um i think my the dream for my life would be one where i just made art and people would just pay me for my art and it's Mm. it's like where people would pay me for my art but like not because they are demanding certain art of me but i just create and people want like whatever it is i'm creating and and i have the full like range of creativity where i can like publish a book and people would be like oh that's interesting like what is she what is she exploring mentally or i can just like throw a painting out there and people would be like oh yeah that's like yeah another shinji or mm-hmm. that's that's like very um I, like if I could literally make money from like doing anything I want um but that being said I am actually pretty satisfied with my current lifestyle in terms of career and what I'm doing um I did go through like a mini mid-career crisis pretty mm-hmm. early on being like what am I doing here eight hours a day and I realized that like why why does society force us to niche down to like a very specific skill set um when all our lives before we were forced into adulthood and like a career were forced to study like all these different subjects um mm-hmm. and like I feel like that's the full breadth of what like like being human is is having more than just like one thing you specialize in it's like having PE and then going to your art class and then studying some math whether you like math or not but you know it's still like a a skill that you can explore and engage with um, at whatever level you want to engage it with and I realized like pretty pretty early on that even though I was getting pretty tired of doing software engineering, um, that quitting my job and going to another field will not solve the issue because I would just be putting myself in another eight hour type thing. There was also a time because of all this frustration of being like, I'm doing the same thing like for so many hours a day. Um, that I thought, oh, I should become a girl boss, like, you know, entrepreneurship, like, that's, like, all the rage, right, become my own boss, but given my personality and, like, who I am, I had the self-awareness that, like, I'm going to quit my 40-hour, like, week job and, like, become consumed by, like, an 80-hour week, Mm -hmm. you know, like, personal project, and so, thankfully, because of that awareness, I was, like, you need to, while you're still in, like, a nine-to-five situation, figure out how to control your own own schedule before you jump into entrepreneurship and let that like destroy you essentially um create some structure right and so through all that like um you know uh self self evaluation i realized that i don't need to quit my 9 to 5 job what i need to do is actually find more effective ways to do this and then introduce other elements of what makes me fulfilled in life, which is having diversity and exploration of thought. So most days I try to work only two hours a day. Yes, I'm logging eight hours. Um, I became comfortable with this idea um, partially through the 
through what I learned through like the four hour work week by Tim mm. Ferriss. But then also because I there I mean there initially was some guilt where I'm like, what am I am I lying? Like is this okay to like say I'm working eight hours but actually only be working two? But then I came to that conclusion because I was like, I am so frustrated by having to do one thing for eight hours. Um, even, if, even if it was don't be a stranger for eight hours, I could not do that. That would just drive me crazy to have to like, just do this, this like work in this one scope for so long um, that I was like, would my company rather have me quit completely because I just don't want to, or can I just deliver them high quality work? that I can accomplish in two hours, but it's like maybe the equivalent of like eight hours of like mediocre, you know, distracted. I'm like mm -hmm. doing coffee chats with my coworkers, taking two hour lunches, like whatever. And so I became comfortable with this idea. I was like, yes, fine, two hours a day. And then let me introduce other, other things that make me more fulfilled. So don't be strangers makes me feel fulfilled um, because I can help other people. My art makes me feel fulfilled because it's my creative self-expression and then and then everything else, like getting to travel with my job, like because it is remote, et cetera, et cetera. So I've already forgotten what was the original question as I've been rambling. No, it's good. Um, it, the, <clears throat> I can bring it back. The question was like, if jobs and careers didn't matter, right, what would you want yeah. to do? And you were saying like, you would want to get to the point where you can get paid to create your art. Um, right, yeah. Which made me think of another question, which is, are there when you think of that concept of like getting paid to do your art and you could do this or you could do that who right now is doing that really successfully that you look up to or you see as an example i think like off the top of my head um miyazaki of like studio ghibli i feel like every time he releases a like a new film people just are like what is this what has he made okay um but anyone else i'm not i'm not sure i'm not yeah i'm not sure <laughs> okay yeah, yeah kind of i was it reminded me i was thinking of like childish gambino and i just started watching dave last night which is little dickie's tv show and it's like these people who can act and then they can do music and all the, like the different stuff but yeah. yeah, it would be cool. I think art, I, I think I'm, while I have that logical creative split, I'm much more attracted to the creative side of life. Mm, yeah, um, I have some follow-up questions for you too. One, I'm really sure. curious to know what your process is like of like <clears throat> distilling your one hour conversations into presenting like content about these mm -hmm. people you interview. Um, yeah, let's start with that. Yeah. So I always, whether I meet someone in person, which is how I used to meet everyone until COVID happened, or if I meet them virtually, my goal is always to have their post published within 60 minutes of us ending our meeting together. So I like, for example, for us we're meeting virtually, we'll have like a video and stuff. As I'm talking to people, like I'm thinking of the narrative of their life, because <clears throat> when I write about them, I really just want to share to my audience, like, hey, here's who this person is. Here's where they came from. Here's where they are. Here's where they want to go. And it often includes, like, their family dynamic or their education or their career or their hobbies outside of that or their passions that they're working on. So it's like all of those different things come together to string this narrative of who a person is. So, yeah, I think about that as I talk to people and when I talk to people, like if it's virtual, because when I meet in person, I don't have any type of recording or anything. I just yeah. remember everything and then I write it. And when it's virtual, if I hear something that catches my attention, I'll be like, oh, okay, that would be a cool 60 second clip. I will remember yeah. that and go back to that. So that's kind of the process. And I write in my iPhone notes and then I copy, <coughs> copy and paste it into Instagram. And yeah, I just I, like, I will cut down to a minute clip in quick time. I'll throw it in cap cut. I add the captions. I put it out. <coughs> I take a picture with everyone. So you'll see it for us. But when I do virtually, like when I'm in person, I have a stranger take a photo of me and the person I'm with. And when I am virtual, I have the person I'm talking to send me a selfie afterwards and I take a selfie and then I assemble it together. <laughs> yeah. 
you need water or anything? I ha- I had like I don't know what I had earlier this week, but I had like the flu or RSV or one of the the two. So I'm on the tail end of it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, but that is just being able to like hold that information in your head while you're having that conversation. Like, I definitely don't think I can. I'm not there. Is this a natural skill that you've always had that like when you talk to people, you're just able to latch onto these different pieces of information and just like recall it? I think it was like a skill that I saw more so through my education, like through my studies. I was the type of person who had like the photographic memory. So I always Mm -hmm. tested really well because I would just think back to like, what did the formula look like on this page? Was it on the upper half of the page or the lower half? And I'm really good with like acronyms in my mind too. I would make up acronyms and I will still do that for something. Like if someone tells me their major or something in their school, I'll think of like an act just to make it easier. But I'm a very visual person. So when I talk to people, I'm watching their lives as they're talking to me. Okay. Like you're imagining like the, how it plays. Exactly. Yeah. So you talk about like doing like artwork or like graphic design or painting, whatever it might be. And I can like picture you in the studio or you talk about traveling to Mexico city. Okay. Like I see you there and see you like typing at the computer for software engineering. So, and I find when I do that, it's like you say that you couldn't do it, but I'm sure if you went and watched a movie, let's say like the Barbie movie was big last year. Say you went and saw that. And you came out of the theater afterwards and I said, Hey, tell me about the movie. Like what's the plot? Who's in it? You'd be able to tell me about the characters. You'd be able to tell me about the flow of the plot and what happened. So I'm just doing that same action, but I'm doing it through listening to people's stories instead of watching a movie. Oh, that's yeah. That's really clever. I'm going to have to start doing that because I've found that, you know, you mentioned that you're very extroverted. Um, mm-hmm. I'm an ambivert. So interestingly enough, with like all the events and stuff, it's been very taxing on me because I just keep thinking like I'm introverted by nature. But like I would say that I was more introverted and like became more um, functionally ambiverted uh, due to society and like you know, sure. growing up and integrating and stuff. And so oftentimes like while I'm hosting events and stuff, I'm just like, how did I get here? Why am I hosting events? Because this is really exhausting to have to like lead groups and stuff. Mm. Um, But that's to give you context to like, for especially meeting new people, I've noticed after these like stranger recording podcast stuff, I need to go take a nap because I am, maybe because I'm, despite being an artist and being visual, like when I have the conversations, I'm not using this like memory trick of like visualizing, but I am actually trying to hold on to the things that you've told me in terms yeah. of like, yeah, like text, like text in my mind. And and at the end of the conversation, I feel like I've gone through like an interview, even though it's just like, like mm. <laughs> because I'm trying so hard to hold on to these pieces of information so I can like loop back to them so I can like ask you about them and like follow up. Um, so yeah this is this is gold for me yeah yeah and it's i'm sure you've gotten better at it too in your in your version but for me i had to like really actively listen to people too i think that skill got a lot better and because again like in person i didn't have anything to to rely on afterwards to write about people so if i didn't listen to what they were telling me it was like felt like trying to take an exam without ever reading the textbook. Like you just won't have the the answers. If you miss it, it's gone. So I had to, and it it was good because it made me very present in my conversations with people. Like it forced me to not think about what I'm doing this weekend. I'm only thinking about what you're telling me. So yeah, it became like a, a better skill, but I think it was already like I had a good foundation with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you read 5% of your time. What are you sure. currently reading? I'm reading a book. I think it's it's called, it's like, I forget the title, but it's The Rise and Fall of the Vanderbilt Dynasty. It's written by Anderson Cooper, which, you know, like the CNN um, host. I forgot that he's a descendant of the Vanderbilts. His mom is a Vanderbilt. I did not know that. Yeah, I heard it one other time and then I forgot and then this reminded me. But it's an interesting book because it's kind of like 
I'm into biographies. Like I would love to read how the Vanderbilt dynasty got started. Like yeah. how did he succeed in business and stuff? And same with like Rockefellers, like uh, Carnegie's, all that stuff. But the book is less so of like, like the guy who started it all, it really just touches on him. And then it's kind of the generations and what happened with each generation. And it, it brings in like New York socialite kind okay. of society yeah, of uh-huh. yeah because like these people were having like these incredibly wealthy parties and like the gilded age and stuff and they would get all the other rich new york socialites to come to their parties and it remind it just reminds me of like when you think roaring 20s 1920s yeah. parties or, like they were probably yeah like they were doing that type of stuff <clears throat> right. um yeah but also the some of the darker parts of it too, like custody battles over children and stuff and divorce and all the stuff that goes along with it. So it's an, it's an interesting book. Um, and then after this, I think I'm going to read feel good productivity. Okay. Do you know of that one? No, I don't know of of that one, but the title seems pretty (laughs) self-explanatory. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, Yeah. The dude who wrote it is a popular YouTuber. Okay. Uh, Ali Abdul, I think, or something. Oh yeah, like. I've heard. I've heard of this person. Yeah. yeah. So I don't really live on YouTube, but yeah, I've definitely yeah, heard of him. Me neither. But um, it seems like he seems like someone who's good at taking complex topics and being like, "Here's a good way to think about it." Yeah. So yeah. yeah. What about you? So I'm going to interrupt here to say that if you found any part of this conversation interesting or useful, please pause to give this show a follow and a rating. Or if you know of a loved one who could benefit from what we're sharing, please take two seconds to share them this episode. Yeah, I just finished a book called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Oh, okay. Um, have you heard of this book? I've heard it of is... one called like Zen and the Art of Tennis. But um, oh, okay. I just finished it and I um, it's really it's really dense. It's like a lot of philosophy. So it kind of like tricks you into I mean, maybe like it should be obvious because it says it says Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance and inquiry into values. It's like the subtitle. So mm. You would think that like, OK, it would. Yeah, it's about philosophy, it's about values, but it kind of believes in the story of like a motorcycle trip across America Mm. with this dude's like deep reflections on uh, very high level philosophical um, concepts. And most of the time I I just... my eyes just glazed over and I was like, I don't know what's <clears throat> happening right now. Um, but the reason why I picked up this book was because I met someone recently who I, we were talking about art and science and how like I both appreciate art and science. Um, I studied molecular biology in <laughs> college and then also minored in neuroscience. And then now I do software engineering. But like, like I said, I, I, I identify as an artist first and foremost. Um, So because of that conversation, she was like, I have a book recommendation for you. You should read this. And I already had the book because my husband, he had read it a while ago. And like, I heard good things about it, but I was just resistant. But like when this girl like suggested it, I was like, fine, like you also like art and science. So Mm -hmm. let me try it. I'm... I still need to. It's like on my to-do list to go ask ChatGPT like what I read. I mean, I like highlighted. <laughs> yeah. I highlighted. I highlighted lines that were like that. Of there are moments of clarity within the text where I'm like, I understand the, these two sentences, and it makes perfect sense to me. Like they <laughs> had a little passage about like loneliness and technology and mm. the um and how it's like interconnected and how you like people are blaming loneliness on technology but in actuality that's not like he's making a counter argument and i was like clarity yes mm. like don't be strangers and i was like highlight but then that that's like maybe i would say 10 percent of the book it was where i had clarity and i was like okay. i get what you're saying and then the other like 90 percent, i'm like I don't know what you're trying to argue about because he keeps like calling out like Aristotle and then like, like bringing their concepts in. But anyways, I was going to ask do you typically read nonfiction um, or like what genres are you drawn to? Yeah, I would say I do nonfiction mostly and a lot of like memoirs, biographies, autobiographies, same kind of interest yeah. that I have in people. But because yeah. I find like, I do like fiction too. I've read because I feel like 
taking your mind to a different world is also productive and like keeping your imagination alive so I have no problem with fiction um I've struggled with like self-help books because I feel like I've already pat like I find with my project I'm already very motivated to do it and I think a lot of self-help books are like here's how you get motivated to make change in your life and for me my issue over the last several years has not been like it's not been I need to be motivated to to move I'm already moving it's more like I need to know what steps I need to very specific with like speaking for example if I have 10 hours that I can put somewhere right now what is the right place to distribute that when it comes to speaking like and should I be hitting people up through email should I be writing articles and posting them to LinkedIn so it's like discovering the answers to those questions um but yeah that's I think the productivity one I am thinking of as like a a potential cool book to read because like maybe it will make me think about my process differently like the the system in which I do things is really I feel like it's like I just want the system to be there and I want to iterate and iterate and iterate until it becomes like super efficient but yeah so so mainly like biographies and um my favorite book I think that I've read is Shoe Dog by Phil Knight Okay, I'm not familiar with this. <laughs> so, Phil Knight is the guy who started Nike, and okay. it's his memoir, and it's it's just really interesting because I feel like we think of Nike today as a company that obviously is going to be really successful, and you go back and hear his side of it, and there are so many times where it could have succeeded or failed. Right. And yeah. because of like understanding that those moments exists makes me feel a lot better when I feel like my project could either succeed or fail or like you're you're like I think once people achieve success we start to forget that they ever had an equal opportunity not to succeed and having that context I think is really important yeah do you think you'll ever write a book considering what you do and like you like biographies and memoirs yeah, I signed to a literary agent last year, so okay. we're kind of in the works. Like, I have um, like a book title in place and an overview, kind of like a marketing strategy. Not even a strategy, but just like a reach, like who things I've been on and, and whatnot. But yeah, it's been like a slow moving process. We're kind of at the place where we're trying to just put together a proposal and then go to a publisher and get a deal. But I've had so many people <coughs> through my journey be like, oh, are you going to write a book or you should write a book? And so I feel like it would be really dumb of me not to write a book. I don't, I personally right. am not excited about writing a book, but because it always took me forever to write papers in college and stuff. So <clears throat> I don't think it will be a particularly enjoyable experience, but I think I would enjoy the idea of getting what's in my mind out into the hands of other people. Right. Yeah. No, I feel, I feel you on that. Yeah. Um, Would you do that for your, for your work? Cause I'm sure we have like learned similar things. Yeah. So I, the book I published last year, it was oh, that's right, how yeah. to talk to it. Yeah. How to talk to anyone for introverts. Um, and it, I see it as like something that's like very aligned with my mission of fighting adult loneliness under don't be strangers, because I, I see that like a lot of people are under the assumption that communication and like these like social skills are like innate and inborn because like humans are social creatures. So it's like, if you suck at communicating, if you you suck at like talking to people, then you just will always suck. Um, mm. But I think that it's something that's very much overlooked in school. Like a lot of life skills are overlooked in schooling, right? Where it's just like, you know, actually this is a trained skill and you can get better at communicating get better at asking questions get better at listening um and so that was like my mission behind putting out that book because the other the other issue that i see with loneliness is that people have friends but like are not um, achieving a profound level of connection with their friends so they still feel very lonely and there's like this Mm. confusion of like well i have like all these people i could like always hit up and like you know go do board games with or like go do yoga with but why do I still feel like like very isolated and part of it is like the quality of conversations and so 
that's how I kind of saw the book playing into like my greater mission being like, here's a resource. Yeah. Um, my, my community gives you events that you can go to and potentially meet people. But if you don't connect with these people, um, then there's something else that you need to work on. Um, mm -hmm. That is, yeah, that I'm trying to still like hold your hands and like try to get you there. Um, and let, let me see how I can provide you with like the resources and events to kind of like bridge this gap. That's, nice. Yeah. When did you start Don't Be Strangers Again? Um, so I started the podcast, I think, the July 2021. Um, oh, okay. And then I would say like shortly after that, within like half, less than half a year, I saw I really saw the need for like a community component because I got to meet really cool people like you. And mm -hmm. then I felt frustrated on the behalf of the listeners. I was like, oh, well, if I'm a listener and I thought that Rob was really cool, then I wouldn't really get to like connect with you as like a listener right but i just like hear you talk and so i started a digital pen pals club initially mm -hmm. to like get people to connect and like i had past guests um who would participate as well in the digital pen pals club so i was just trying to get people to um connect in like the long long form written medium and i did made it digital because i was traveling as well at that time so i was like if i made this physical i wouldn't be able to participate i i do love like physical letters though yeah um, and then shortly after that people in the pen pals club were like can we meet on zoom so then that's how we trickled into like virtual events this was all still like really close to the pandemic right 2021 mm -hmm. and then i thought the logical next step was like physical in-person meetups and that's how i didn't realize that my podcast would become like events and mm. like and and have the like elements of public speaking right because i have to like stand up and tell people how to interact in the event and stuff sure yeah <clears throat> um yeah. The, so july 2021 you started the podcast you said yeah okay there's have you have you ever heard of no more lonely friends mm, i don't think so is this wait is this the picnic yeah yes group? it's the girl who went viral on tiktok because you know what i'm talking about I okay, so I don't live on TikTok either, but I think someone else within like the community told me about about this like New York picnic. Yeah, situation. yeah, yeah. That's like I think the name sounds very yeah. Familiar. So, so, yeah, it just reminds me the the girl's name is Marissa. Ironically, she was part of my project back in like twenty seventeen. Yeah, and then she was in like LA pursuing acting at the time, and then I think it was like twenty 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 one or something. She went viral on TikTok because some guy. Was at a park and he overheard this group of friends being like, "We're gonna have the birthday party on this date because we know Marissa's not gonna be in town on this date, so let's just have it then." So this guy was like, "Hey, this is for Marissa. If this video can find her, your friends are planning the birthday party specifically for the day you're not in town." Got back to her. It was obviously like not a very fun thing to hear. <clears throat> yeah. And so she spun it into a positive and started hosting these meetups called No More Lonely Friends. So yeah. it remind. I'm sure there's like a lot of overlap um, between what you do. And then there was a guy I met through my project. His uh, name is Nick Gray. He has a book called The Two Hour Cocktail Party. Mm -hmm. And he wrote like a step-by-step -step how to have a two hour cocktail party. Oh, and, interesting. Yeah. And gonna... it's cool. I hosted one back in July. How'd it go? Like perfectly as... As yeah. Described. <laughs> yeah. I, I hate I hate planning. So I was like, reluctantly, okay, I'll do this for you. And I just, I've met a lot of people here in Philly. So I wanted, in my particular neighborhood, I know that I've met a lot of people who don't know each other. So I was like, I'll yeah. invite them and I'll invite some of my friends and stuff. And had everyone here in my apartment. And it went really well. And people met each other. And so I was like, oh, I should do more of this be like that awesome. community builder that you're already being. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to look up these two people and see <laughs> see what they're up to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, there's a lot over, I think, and kind of like we did, you get bubbled up into other people who are in the same space as you. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, so I want to ask you the question which I ask everyone, which is, mm -hmm. how do you define a stranger, and at what point did they transition from being one to not being one? Yeah, it's um, that's a great question. I think that you know how there's like the ENFJ stuff. Mm -hmm. 
like the Myers-Briggs. Yeah, which I think that is what I, when I took the test, I said I'm like ENFJ. But I think there's like a feeler versus like a thinker or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that I might be more of a thinker than a feeler because like I was saying, like my system is really important to me and stuff. Yep. Uh, there was a guy that I did a podcast with in LA and like the first time the audio messed up. So we had to record it again another hour and then I was sick and we were in a hotel room the air conditioning kept going on and he was like I'll be able to edit it out that didn't work so we had to meet up a third time and I think it was the second time he was telling me about someone that he knew or he heard that it takes 90 hours with someone to cross mm -hmm. the threshold of being a friend with them because uh -huh. that's like the and some guy had done studies on this like and you think about it in your life like who would you consider a close friend versus not and there are people that you click with really easily, but probably someone that you've spent like 90 hours with and you've had the chance to explore deeper topics with them would be someone that's no longer a stranger to you and you feel like a level of comfort with. So I think about it in that way because I love being able to quantify things like yeah. that. Um, but I don't know. I think to me it's a very gray line, especially as someone who started a project called Rob's 10K Friends. Like, yeah. It's interesting if my project gets shared on like a media thing or something, people will always comment and be like, oh, I have all the friends I need. I don't, it's quality over quantity. I don't need 10,000 friends. And I'm like, listen, I'm not getting dinner with everyone every week, but I think it's really important to see the different perspectives of life and hear how people have grown up. And if you lay that foundation with someone, every time you see that you're contributing to that 90 hours to get to a place where they're not a stranger. So I would, I don't know. I would say like, that's a good question. I think friendship is probably closer to the 90, but I think to not be a stranger with someone, like I don't think I'm a stranger with any of the people that I've met because in the hour we've taken with each other, we've learned about like, what is your family dynamic? Or we'll talk about different topics yeah. that mean something to that person. So yeah. in that sense, if I were, I was thinking about like, if I met, if I was at a bar, and someone spilled their drink on me and I turned around and it was someone from my project, I'd be like, oh, it's okay, like, no worries, right? But if it was a total stranger, I'd probably be like, what, what, what are you doing? So <laughs> right. to me, like a stranger is the person that you would turn around and not be mad at and they spilled your, <laughs> their drink on you because you know them in some sense. Right, yeah. So do you feel like that being said, that for someone to not be a stranger, you need at least an hour of like one-on-one -on -one conversation? based off of your project or? No, I think you just need like some type of foundation with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know what the cutoff on that foundation is, but like think about like a chaotic situation or something you like, I think people can bond very quickly if the right. stakes are very high. Um, but yeah, I think if you're just sitting next to someone at the bus for 10 minutes, then maybe not. Like, you're still strangers after that interaction. I think it maybe it just requires a level of d depth of going into your stories with each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so now you said that, like, you are, I am 6,000, I forgot the exact number, whatever, yeah. of the 10, 10K. How do you still feel motivated to keep going? um and also what happens after 10k yeah i think it's like i would equate i would t like equate that to someone asking you like how do you still feel motivated to like create art if you've already created it in the past right it's right. like oh it's a passion like that it's not like there's a fuel tank of art that i've run out of it's something i really enjoy doing so I really enjoy getting to know people. And I think there's a word that I came across in this book called the dictionary of obscure sorrows. And the word is called onism. And it's defined as the awareness of how little of the world you'll experience. Mm. And that struck me because the more that I've met people through my project, the more I understand how limited my individual experience on earth is. So, it's kind of scares me to be like, there's this whole wide world 
like this whole world that exists out there. And if I'm lucky, I'll have like 90 years to explore it. And it's like, why are you like, do you remember that old game show where they would push the cart through the supermarket and they try to like shove all the, the, the no, st- I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Give, give the listeners some context and me. Give yeah. Me context. So it was like a game show where you would have a shopping cart and you would go through a grocery store. And, like, you would try to put as much stuff into the cart as possible. And whoever had the most, like, the highest total of items in the cart would win the prize at the end. So people were just, like, trying to shove all this stuff into the cart to win the prize. So I feel like life is a little bit like that. Like, you have all this stuff that you can take advantage of Mm. for this limited period of time. And I feel like a lot of people are just walking through the grocery store like looking at one item for a really long time, ignoring a bunch of others when there's all this different stuff that you could put in your cart. And I just like the book, it says if you were on your deathbed or like when you die, if someone were to ask you afterwards, what was earth like? The only honest answer would be to be like, I don't really know. I passed through one time and it's like i want to know what earth is like i want to be able to see what it's like in all these different perspectives and meeting people one-on-one is the best way that i know how to do that so that's what kind of continues to drive me and um i think anything that you want to do in life you can do with someone else it's the novelty just hasn't worn off for me because everyone's story is different so yeah that's what uh continues to motivate me and then i think like I'm in a place now where with my speaking, I'm just getting to the point of being able to afford rent and groceries and stuff without thinking like, okay, right. I'm, how am I going to do this next month? And that's a great place to be. And as I get to that place, then I'm like, okay, then I guess you try to buy a house at some point in your life and you try to do these other, <coughs> other things. So trying to just like build more towards those traditional milestones through speaking And yeah, growing as a speaker, I hope that once I'm done the project, which will probably take like eight more years, that I'm a seasoned speaker who's able to speak like two, three times a month and support myself on that alone. Yeah. And then I think it'd be cool to be a professor at a university. Like you were saying, some of these schools don't teach like the life skills. Yeah. Um, I want to have a class where students pair off one-on-one every class period and learn from each other's backgrounds rather than a textbook or a PowerPoint slide. So they can start creating empathy at an age, like before they get out into the real world. Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, And I think like just even listening to that, there's so many parallels and maybe that's the reason why we seek these conversations with like strangers. um, Mm -hmm. Because I feel like you were mentioning something about like, like on your deathbed like and being asked like what was what was like what is earth like Mm -hmm. Um, I have thought to myself something similar where I'm like what would be my biggest regret like um you know on my deathbed and I think like for me with that with that curiosity element in like my core values it's like it's it's not having experienced enough And like, how will I experience enough because I only get one life to live, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why, um, and how I solve that is through conversations with other people. Because I also think about that I don't know about things that I just don't know um, because of like my upbringing, my context, um, even my language framework, because I care about learning languages, um, limiting the, about what I can think about, what I can explore. And so I think like the second closest thing, if I can't like, live that life if I can't you live your life is to talk to you and like mm-hmm. learn a little bit about it and through that like secondhand experience be like okay so what would it be like to like quit my job and like go full, full time just meeting people you know vicariously through hearing your story and then thinking about your story and then uh, and then thinking about who I am and trying to like see if there's anything that I need to change about my life mm-hmm. to make it better um and sometimes there there is nothing and it was just like a fun like oh I got to like live this alternative life that like has no parallel like that has no application in mind but was like but has like a lot of like parallels in terms of like human experience Mm -hmm. um and it's just like fun to listen to and learn other times like I do it does make me like stop and think like oh how can I live differently like 
what can I what can I apply based off of like what I learned from you and like I think definitely one of the things I'm gonna have to start practicing is visualizing um, as people uh, yeah. are speaking to me <laughs> yeah so mm-hmm. it's easier to, to recall yeah yeah um, how how many languages do you speak by the way um, so <laughs> I feel like half, a lot of like half languages. So I've, in the last couple of years in the pandemic, I started learning Spanish from zero. And then because of like the remote work situation, intentionally traveling to Spanish speaking countries to learn it. So now I feel like my Spanish is like upper intermediate to like low advance. Um, mm. I definitely feel like I could just move to Spain and just like fill out forms and like live you know do banks and like talk to people and take care of things um mandarin is something that is like cultural and um has that like ethical root for me but something that i lost immigrating to america at age seven um Mm. and then kind of rejecting that because i wanted to assimilate and not stand bullied um and then later in life around high school being like wait it's actually cool to be different like i want to you know i want to be chinese not like american or i just want to be you know asian american chinese american and so like dipping my toes back into that and like right now i think my spanish is actually better than my um my mandarin but i have over the course of my life tried to explore so many different languages like i have started trying to like learn so many different ones Mm. but dedication and like discipline is something else right like being interested in something versus like actually being like i'm gonna sit down and study and talk to yeah 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 and where did you live in china and where did you live in the states yeah, so um, I was born in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, but ethnically all uh-huh. my family is Chinese. So like, but um, all my extended, like my ancestors are from like Southern China um, in like the Guangzhou region. So like my my family speaks um, Hokkien, the dialect Hokkien, Cantonese and Mandarin. And then mm. because like they grew up in Malaysia and that was like, where I had, you know, the first seven years of my life, um, also nationally been taught like Malay as like the national language in in conjunction with English. So when you like study in Malaysia, it's like you have to learn both English and Malay. And yeah. then because of family, they also know like Hokkien, Cantonese and Mandarin. And then um, in America, I grew up primarily in like the greater Dallas, Fort Worth area. And oh, okay. that's where like my immediate family still is. And that's like my home base. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And where did you go to school? Like university? I, yeah, university, uh, UT Dallas, University of Texas at Dallas. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on before I stopped the recording? And we don't need to like stop talking when I stop the recording. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let me think. Um, well, what is, yeah, because you asked me like, what's, what is the future hold for you? Like where to? Yeah. Um, I am, so like, I see Don't Be Strangers as a playground because it started as a podcast and the podcast was truly a curiosity because I used to do YouTube back in the day. And when I was doing YouTube, I, it really makes you, um, hyper focus on what is good content. And so I was always thinking about like, what can I film? Um, because I was actively doing YouTube for like a very short period of my time. And part of the, that constant evaluation of my life of like what makes good content made me realize that a lot of the conversations I had with my personal friends would make really interesting content because yeah. the conversations were just like profound, interesting, um, looked for greater meaning in life than just like surface level activities, actualizations, you know, catching up. And so um i thought like oh i wish that like my camera was like running right now you know as Mm -hmm. we were chatting and so fast forward with the podcast i thought to myself um youtube was kind of complicated because you have to take in that video element you have to like i don't know have good lighting have good backdrop etc so i was like what if i just like i consume a lot of podcast like why why not I try podcasting because it's just voice right so you don't have to worry if like you're wearing proper clothing or anything. sure like, no one's gonna well now I've started adding a video element so mm-hmm. sort of I do mm-hmm. but um 
yeah, so I it started as a podcast, and then as as I told you, it like evolved into events, and then I published that book, and so I really see it as like a playground. So looking forward, like what's next? Last year, I had my first like semi public speaking gig. It was like a panel, so it felt way more comfortable, sure, and introverted than just like standing up and like having to have a script memorized. But I see that like.、Um, Hopefully, more books around this topic to just like support the the community. As I said,、um, more public speaking gigs. But this year, I'm gonna try a、um, very small retreat,、uh, which I see. Which actually, like way back when I was doing the Pen Pals Club, someone actually suggested to me. They were like, "Can I would love to see a Don't Be Strangers retreat?" And I thought to myself, like, what? The heck would you?、Hmm. I guess like similar to your situation where where people were like, you should write a book, and so you're just like, okay, well, I guess I'm gonna write a book now. So the the retreat situation is very similar. Where I would have never thought of doing a retreat. Well, first of all, like because I would never thought of doing events.、Um, but you know, someone brought it up, and I was like, yeah, maybe. And so this end of March, I'm gonna try my first retreat. I need to be better about marketing this.、Um, very very tiny for like、mm-hmm. just girls. I just thought I would just make the the scope very small, so it. Safe for me, like five women and then a co-host and I in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and the the concept or theme is just like unplugging. It's just like it's called Spring Break. Healing girl retreat, so it's like reading, yoga, like exploring together, eating together, com- like journaling together, and、mm-hmm. I just wanted like that because I was like, I don't want to look for speakers to come in to like teach anything. I don't I, like. Let's just start easy. In my mind, it's almost like a beta trial. So like,、mm-hmm. like, let's beta trial the retreat. If the retreat goes well, then that'll inform like how I want to proceed with that. Does that mean?、Uh, Does that mean I'll do more retreats? Does that mean I'll like start offering this as a service? Like Rob, do you want to host a retreat and I can help、mm-hmm. retreat plan? You know,、sure. and it's like Rob's ten k friends retreat, and I I can provide that as a service to you, and then we can like partner like that. Or、um, so I don't really know where this is going. To be quite honest, that's the that's the short answer. Is like I didn't expect to be to get here. Yeah.、Um, so I have no idea where it's headed, but I'm just having fun along the way. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a.、Uh, I've tried to do the same with my pet. Like my goal is to meet ten thousand people one on one for one hour each. Yeah. And then that's it. And like, however that evolves is up to the universe. So we just、right. see where it goes. So I'd love to hear from you. How would your identity break down into a pie chart based on how you spend your time, or what are your top values? If you want to help Rob with his project, you can reach out to him on Instagram and say hi. That is at. Rob's 10K friends with like 10 and then the letter K. Likewise, if you want to hop onto this podcast to share a conversation with me, you can write to me on Instagram at Don't Be Strangers or via email at shinyi at don'tbestrangers.com. It'll all be linked below, so don't worry about memorizing this. And typically here at the end, I share a little voice blog with some updates from my life just for funsies.、Uh, today is Tuesday, January 30th, and I've been in. La Ciudad de Mexico, Mexico City, for a month, and this is like my fourth time in the city.、Um, the third time during like winter or quarter one, January.、Um, and honestly, the air pollution here is no joke. I don't think I really noticed it too much in my previous visits, but now it's getting pretty bad. And I have like about three more weeks here before I head out to Puerto Vallarta. And a part of me is just like ready for the beach, <laughs> like clear ocean air to come through.、Um, but that aside, I am very grateful to be back because I have a community of friends here, and one of them, my mi hermana Ivy Ivon,、um, that I met through a painting class here in Mexico City two years ago. Uh, we are meeting up weekly to do artsy, creative dates, and I think it was like a collaborative ideas because obviously we met in an art class, and so our shared interest is in creative outlets. And I thought, hey, actually this year one of my goals is to create more art or to really reconnect with the part of me that wants to explore creative self-expression. So we're doing that every week, and then outside of that, I've been intentionally creating. Little pockets of time and space to spend time alone with myself to make bad art, 
Um, and then the craziest thing happened yesterday, Monday, January 29th. Um, so this is a little story time. I don't, if you've been following on the show, you would know of JC from episode 48. Um, so as a recap, if you don't know the spiel on that, I was in New York City for the month of August 2023. And at the end of my stay there, I noticed that this um, Instagram account called Self Hug Club was like liking my stuff. This was like maybe two days before I had to leave at the end of my month stay in New York. And we started messaging each other because don't be strangers and self hug club. There's like a lot of overlap in terms of like personal development, self-awareness, um, self-love. And we like hit it off. But unfortunately, she was busy and we couldn't meet while I was in New York because that's where she's based. Um, but we agreed to take to do a little podcast swap the following week when I was back in Dallas and so that's how we met over a call like this one with Rob and then fast forward we were like okay she was she basically was like whenever you're back in New York let me know and I was like okay don't you fast forward back like to now to present day 2014 January I'm thinking of ways to advertise my healing girl spring break retreat which is happening in Puerto Vallarta at the end of March and I had this realization that I need to just reach out to people one-on-one to let them know that this is happening because I kept getting into conversations where I would talk to a friend tell them that I was looking forward to my retreat and they would be like wait what retreat and it would make me realize that Maybe I'm not as good as marketing as I thought, because I thought I had been using all my channels to tell people about this, but people are still finding out and telling me, dang, if I knew earlier, like, but I have a trip planned around that time already. So it doesn't make sense logistically or budget wise. So anyways, going back to the story, I was reaching out to people. JC came to mind because I think that like her general vibe is very much along this. I falls within the theme of like healing girl and I was like hey why are you up to nowadays like I would love to invite you to this retreat and she's like I'm in Mexico City and I was like wait what I'm in Mexico City and so literally thanks to me thinking of just like reaching out to people to touch base with them so that I could tell them that I would love to travel with them to Puerto Vallarta um I got to meet up with her in person yesterday which was so cool and the moral of the story is that you never know when where or how you're you're gonna meet your friends so just remember to keep your doors open speaking of which as you know don't be strangers is a platform for connecting people to create deeper friendships and so some things that we are doing if you are not based in dallas or austin which is where we have most of our events right now no worries you can one volunteer to like pop up an event in your hometown. But also we have online events such as Jasmine's co-writing club, which happens every Sunday on our Discord. Um, Jasmine is also offering free tarot readings for anyone who's willing to leave an honest review for my book, How to Talk to Anyone for Introverts. Um, so if you're curious about tarot or just want a reading, um, that's out there. My, uh, you, the way that you achieve this like free tarot reading is leaving an honest review for for a free copy of the book as well. So it's like two free things. So thank you so much, Jasmine, for even like offering that. Um, Of course, you can check out our Eventbrite to see if there are any events near you. And then there is our Healing Girl Retreat, which if you don't have spring break plans for the end of March and want to unplug with my good friend Molly and I, we have some podcasts episodes out here explaining like the intention of the retreat and um, allows you to get to know us better as your hosts, then please take a look. All this information for how you can connect with our community will be linked in the description. And as always, don't be a stranger.